The Department of Health and Human Services appoints a chief competition officer. A Senate committee chair launches an investigation into the price of inhalers. And congressional leaders agree to extend the latter continuing resolution. For the week of January 15th, 2024, from Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this is Health on the Hill, brought to you by the Alliance of Specialty Medicine. I'm Matt Duckworth. does seem like a CR is inevitable. I don't see how we could get it done. Not the way the Senate operates, not the way that, not the amount of time it's going to take for them to get it through their body. I, I just don't see that happening. And I suspect, even though the speaker has said that he does not want any more short-term CRs, I don't see any way around it. Um, Kicking off this of, week's uh, episode with news from Capitol Hill where congressional leadership have reached an agreement on a second two-step continuing resolution to avoid partial government shutdowns, which would occur on January 20th and February 2nd. Leaders have reportedly coalesced around a continuing resolution that maintains House Speaker Mike Johnson's laddered government funding approach, extending appropriations for federal agencies to March 1st and March 8th, respectively. Johnson had previously pledged to not pass another stopgap spending bill. The change of course follows an initial bipartisan agreement reached last week on top-line spending amounts. Johnson insists that he's standing by the deal struck with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, despite criticism from far-right members of the House GOP, who have pressured him to abandon it. The deal includes $1.59 trillion in spending for fiscal year 2024, $886 billion in defense, and $704 billion in non-defense spending. There are tens of millions of Americans who use inhalers in order to help them breathe. And for these people, in many cases, this is a question of life or death, where they're able to breathe. That was the voice of Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP Committee Chair Bernie Sanders, an independent from Vermont who caucuses with Senate Democrats, who, along with Senators Tammy Baldwin, a Democrat from Wisconsin, Ben Ray Lujan, a Democrat from New Mexico, and Ed Markey, a Democrat from Massachusetts, have sent letters to AstraZeneca, Boehringer Ingleham, GSK, and Teva, to request details about the, quote, extremely high prices, unquote, of the manufacturer's asthma inhaler products. The letters ask for information on internal strategic communications, patient assistance programs, and the costs involved in manufacturing inhalers. The letter reads, quote, there is no reason for these products to be so expensive, and goes on to say, the devices have been available since the 1950s, and most of the drugs have been on the market for more than 25 years, unquote. Surmising or tweeting or guessing, but just look at the data. A group, a fairly large group of very well-respected evolutionary virologists 
have examined the epidemiological, virological, geospatial data from Wuhan and have come to the conclusion, not definitively by any means, but feeling that it is much more likely that it is a natural occurrence from an animal to a human. However, since it hasn't been definitively proven, we've got to keep a completely open mind. That was a familiar voice to many that Americans from the COVID-19 pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who last week provided two days of closed-door testimony before the House of Representatives Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. According to reports, panel Republicans focused much of their questioning on the definition of gain-of-function research funded by the National Institutes of Health. Fauci was also questioned about the origins of COVID-19 and issues related to the federal government's pandemic response, including federal records violations, conflicts of interests, and conflicting guidance. While the meetings produced few surprises or new information, Fauci has agreed to testify in a future open session for the committee. We'll be right back. Representing over 100,000 doctors nationwide, the Alliance of Specialty Medicine is urging Congress to act immediately to reverse the cuts associated with the Medicare physician fee schedule. While physician practice expenses have continued to rise year after year, the federal government has once again cut physician reimbursement, threatening access to care for millions of America's seniors. Learn more about how Congress can solve this problem now at specialtydocs.org slash stop the cuts. That's specialtydocs.org slash stop the cuts. Shifting to news from the administration today, where the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, or ARPA-H, has launched a program to increase investments in solutions to preventable health challenges in underserved communities. The Healthcare Rewards to Achieve Improved Outcomes, or HEROES, program aims to strengthen investment in community-level preventive care resources, particularly in places that have historically lacked access to medical and healthcare breakthroughs. A forthcoming HEROES program solicitation will solicit proposals from health accelerators, groups or organizations such as health consortiums or community health centers aimed at health challenges in parts of the country where the associated health outcome is worse than the national average. More information about the HEROES program and the scheduled February 13th to 14th Proposers Day can be found on the ARPA-H website. More news from the administration today where Stacey Sanders has been appointed to serve as the first ever chief competition officer at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The newly created position will be responsible for coordinating, identifying, and elevating opportunities across HHS to promote competition in healthcare markets, and will work with the Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice to address concentration in healthcare markets through data sharing, reciprocal training programs, and the further development of additional healthcare competition policy initiatives. Sanders most recently worked as a counselor to HHS Secretary Javier Becerra, overseeing the department's implementation of the Inflation Reduction Act. Earlier in her career, Sanders worked as staff director for the Senate Special Committee on Aging and as a federal policy director of the Medicare Rights Center. Right? Okay. 
Uh, prior authorization is the number one administrative concern to physicians. It adds to their burden of their, of their day, having a patient scheduled for a, a hip replacement, having them in the preoperative area, and then finding out that the insurance company has not done the final prior authorization uh, for that particular process. I hope, I'm assuming you're familiar with prior authorization and how it's More news today made. where the Office of Management and Budget has cleared a final rule from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services on prior authorization. The regulation will place new requirements on Medicare Advantage organizations, state Medicaid fee-for-service programs, state Children's Health Insurance Program fee-for-service programs, Medicaid managed care plans, CHIP managed care entities, and qualified health plan issuers on the federally facilitated exchanges to improve the electronic exchange of health care data and streamline processes related to prior authorization. The proposed rule, which was first published in December of 2022, would also add a new measure for eligible hospitals and critical access hospitals under the Medicare Promoting Interoperability Program and for merit-based incentive payment system eligible clinicians under the Promoting Interoperability Performance category of MIPS to encourage providers to adopt the electronic prior authorization processes. Once the final rule is implemented, it should make it easier for Congress to advance the Improving Seniors' Timely Access to Care Act, bipartisan prior authorization legislation which passed the House during the 117th Congress and was co-authored by the voice you heard at the top, Senator Roger Marshall, a Republican physician from Kansas. Winding down today, where the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, or MedPAC, voted on its latest payment update recommendations for physicians, hospitals, and the post-acute care sector during its January meeting last week. The commission recommends updating 2025 Medicare payments for physicians and other health professional services by the amount specified in current law plus half the Medicare economic index increase, and reiterated a prior recommendation to create a non-budget neutral add-on payment under the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule for services provided to low-income beneficiaries. MedPAC also voted to recommend a positive update for hospitals, current law amount plus 1.5% for 2025. Commissioners voted in support of lower base pay rates for skilled nursing facilities, home health agencies, and inpatient rehabilitation facilities, and recommended that Congress eliminate the 2024 update for hospices in 2025. MedPAC also recommended that Congress update the Medicare end-stage renal disease prospective payment system by the amount under current law. As a physician, I know this has been a problem for decades, and there isn't one solution to the problem. But let me tell you some personal stories I've heard recently. I heard this month from a family in my district with a five-year-old son. That was the voice of Representative Larry Bouchon, a Republican physician from Indiana, who announced this week that he has plans to retire at the end of the year. Bouchon, a cardiothoracic surgeon, has served in the House of Representatives since 2011. He's a member of the GOP Doctors' Caucus. During his time in Congress, Bouchon has been a champion of diagnostics reform legislation, as well as other bipartisan health measures, including proposals related to the Medicare Physician Reimbursement System. Bouchon's a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee in the House. Representative Greg Pence, another Republican from Indiana, has also determined that he will not seek re-election to the House this year. 
Pence was first elected to represent Indiana's 6th Congressional District in 2018, filling the same seat held by former Vice President Mike Pence, his brother, before he was elected to serve as Indiana's governor. Pence currently serves on the Energy and Commerce Committee. Currently, the number of members who are retiring from Capitol Hill next year stands only slightly higher than the average of 34 retirements per election cycle. In related news, California Governor Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, has set a special election to fill the seat of retired former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The all-party special primary election will take place on March 19th, several weeks following the primary scheduled to fill McCarthy's seat for the full two-year term. If no candidate wins a majority of the votes in the March 19th primary, the top two finishers will compete in a May 21st runoff election. A running list of members of Congress who are retiring or seeking other office can be found in our weekly written policy briefing on the news page of our website at www.hhs.com. The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the Ways and Means Committee organizing meeting for the 118th Congress. The Committee on Energy and Commerce will come to order. The chair recognizes herself for an opening statement. Um, And it's a pleasure to bring together the first meeting of the Finance Committee in the 118th Congress. Good morning. The Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions will come to order. All right. We end each week's episode with a call to order. Are we lightning round congressional meetings and hearings in the near future that you need to know about? First, on Wednesday, January 17th at 10 a.m., the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee holds a hearing titled The Cyber Safety Review Board, Expectations, Outcomes, and Enduring Questions. And last, on Thursday, January 18th at 10 a.m., the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, or HELP Committee, hosts the hearing Addressing Long COVID, Advancing Research, and Improving Patient Care. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of Health on the Hill, brought to you by Heart Health Strategies. For more information on this week's healthcare happenings in the administration and on Capitol Hill, you can visit our website at hhs.com and click on the news section at the top of the page. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Did we miss a story you wanted to hear this week? If so, email me at mduckworth at hhs.com, and we may include it in our next episode. Have a great week, and stay healthy. Stay healthy.